News Radio 610 WTVN. For the defense, the only live legal show of its kind in Columbus, the Coffle Law Firm, one of Ohio's leading criminal defense firms. Your host of For the Defense, Columbus Attorney Brad Coffle. America is a bad place. Terrible. It has always been a bad place. Always. And it is no surprise that such a horrible, racist, homophobic, selfish country is on the uh, brink of extinction. At least that's what we're being told. Uh, But there's light. It's the Democrats, and they're going to save America by making it poor, less secure, less free, and more socialist. I mean, I did find Joe Biden's speech to be uh, moderate even uh, kind of patriotic, some Americana. It's like uh, what they're selling, they know they need to get the votes, uh, that they're not as radical as they are. But then you find out here in just a minute, I'm going to share with you some statistics on how communism, Marxism, the far left is creeping into in a very quick fashion over this last year or two in the local, state, and national elected offices. But I... Really, you know, aside from the four nights of tape tectoring and uh, various exercises in politically correct sermonizing, I think it's high time that most of us talk to the younger generation. The older folks need to talk to the generation because we're getting dangerously close to the election. And understand that the source of government's power is the people. That we create governments, governments don't create the people, and, and they, you know, they work for us. The power is our, our unalienable right, uh, and your rights that you want, that you have, require that you take up responsibility as well. So rights and responsibilities are two sides of the same coin, and this is what the message needs to be to our middle schoolers, our high schoolers, our elementary school, K through 12. Colleges, good luck with that one. But we're all on equal ground, for better or for worse. Every citizen has exactly the same status as every other. One vote, one share of national sovereignty. And this is a nation which is built on individual responsibility. Our Constitution, our government, is a byproduct of that thought process. You cannot slough off responsibility. And want your rights. So every American should recoil at the notion that one class of citizens will lecture, lecture other citizens on what to think, speak, and act in only a way that they define. I mean, that is as un-American as it gets. Then, for instance, to fight racial bias by being biased doesn't work. To protest illegal violence by using... Illegal brutality and violence doesn't work either. I mean, how many times have you seen the guy in Portland get his head bashed in? To persuade certain classes of people that they are incapable of taking care of their own communities, their own families, and their own lives is bigotry, camouflaged racism. For the government actors these elected officials, to get up on a national stage and say that government will take care of your communities, government will take care of your families, government will tell you how to do it, 
is telling them you aren't capable of doing it yourself. Now, no one's going to tell me that. But why are you, Democratic voters, thinking that's a better route to go? Why don't, where is your individual responsibility? There are a growing number of young Americans who do not understand America and her founding principles. You want your rights, but you don't want the responsibilities that go along with it. You want your government to take care, complete care of your health, your safety, your wages, your benefits, just like your parents did, everything for you in the 90s and 2000s. Yes, this is targeted towards the younger generation. Young, young people, please listen. When you decide that government is better taking care of you and your community than you can, then you have forfeited your personal liberties at the same time. You can't have it both ways. To give up your responsibilities is to release your liberties. When you give that much power to the government, don't be surprised if the government turns on you. Remember when you were five years old and you had to do what your parents wanted you to do? Mm-hmm. When you sleep till noon and you wake up to find millions of Americans already hard at work, I guess that's not fair to you. I'm not sure how you, that works, but that's not fair to you. You don't need to be angry. You don't need to be violent. You don't need to be bigoted towards older Americans. You don't need to be bigoted towards white America. You don't need to be bigoted towards business owners. You don't need to be bigoted toward anyone who's, who's succeeded. All you have to do is go try it yourself. It's called pluck, grit, and perseverance. You can too. But to hate the people that are ahead of you for what they have is bigotry. We know that our prime responsibility as citizens is to help each other. We'll help each other. We'll help other citizens. We want other citizens to realize their own competence, their own power, their own natural gifts, talents, skills, because that will make our nation that much better. We need everybody. But we know that our responsibility is not towards building a larger government, but towards each and every individual. And whatever you think about the conservatives or the right or the GOP, whatever things that were being told to you last week at the DNC or the things you're going to read on the Twitter mob this week on the RNC, understand that try this. Get up in the morning early. Take a job you don't really like, but it pays the bills. Move out of your parents' house. Pay some rent. Save some money. Learn a trade. We're looking for plumbers, pipe fitters, carpenters, roofers. Find something our country needs. Maybe go get a higher education if you still think it, it's worthwhile. Join the military. Find a job that gives you purpose. But then once you're there, once you're independent of your mom, dad, and government, then start to look for other ways to help people, not destroy it. Listen to the older generation. No, we don't have all the right answers, but we have a hell of a lot of really good answers based on experience. Listen to our generation from the mistakes they've made, we've made. Maybe you won't make the same ones. Take care of yourself. Take care of your community. And you will find a nation waiting for you. People that don't look like you. People that you don't like right now. People that you're protesting. People that you're rolling guillotines into the suburbs. We'll be here for you. We'll give you political loyalty if you understand your role 
in this relationship between individual and the government. We don't want to increase the power of government over people. We want to increase the power of the people over themselves. We want the black community, women, members of LGBTQ+, immigrants who lawfully enter our country, we all want you under our tent. This is not an exclusive tent. This is an inclusive tent. What we want out of the tent is our government, not you. We want our government out of our tent, our big government. And we have the power in our hands to throw out the leaders that have not done anything to improve inner cities. Black Lives Matter. Turn your attention towards your elected leaders that have been holding public hearings every week, taking minutes, publishing agendas every week, every month, every year, and how has that leadership been for you and your community? Every decade. Vote them out. Vote them out. Come to our tent. Vote them out. We can show you how to make a better community. But they're not doing anything for you. We will use our power to remove a government that accepts no responsibility for delivering positive results. We're here for you. If you don't like it, we'll show you how to do this. But we're not going to demand loyalty on the basis of identity. It's just not going to work. That's not American. But public servants who are loyal to the government at the people's expense have proven their incompetence and disloyalty. They're not going to do what they think they're able to do. For starters, they're not going to be able to afford anything. Even if your goals are noble, we probably share the same goals. But how we get there is the difference. The U.S. national debt now exceeds the size of America's total gross domestic product. I mean, we got to get that monster under control. Taxes are going to go up. The Green New Deal will bankrupt our, our country even more. Vast expansion of health care and other entitlement spending. We don't need it. We can take care of each other. Advocating for community ownership of land, labor, resources, and redistribution of those resources has failed in every country has ever tried it. Obsession with issues of identity and redistribution is a graver threat to our republic right now than China. And by the way, China's a big stinking threat. Come to our tent. You're being sold a bill of goods that hasn't worked. It's not going to work. Just listen to what we have to say. We don't, we're not haters. Okay? More on this after the break. Big Ten Commissioner needs to go. DNC Review. Bannon's arrest, all coming up after the break. 610 WTVN. Brad Koffel and the general attorney, Eric Willison. Uh, the show is also always on uh, iHeartMedia's uh, app, 610WTVN.com, and Apple Podcast. Uh, we generally get those uploaded, uh, uploaded uh, in Sunday afternoon. Um, Democrats can save America by making uh, us poorer or us less secure, less free, and more socialist. And those four nights of hectoring and, and political cor- correctness and sermonizing 
really was offset by by Joe Biden's uh, uh, presence. You know, the big takeaway that I had from the DNC is that Joe Biden is a really is a decent guy who has suffered horrible, horrible personal losses in his lifetime and truly has empathy for the suffering of others. But guess what? That he doesn't have a monopoly on that. Uh, most people I know have had serious personal losses and have empathy for the suffering of others. But that was the theme for the last 45 minutes or so, the final night. Uh, And, you know, if 2020 was a referendum on empathy, Joe Biden would win. They want a mercy vote. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, everything else was an exhaustive, woke, socialist utopia and then bring in Joe Biden as kind of their uh, Trojan horse. And, you know, I saw this. <laughs> I, I, have you heard? Do you know what a post turtle is? A post turtle. A no, post turtle. So the, uh, this, the, the uh, saying goes, the joke goes, that an old rancher is talking about politics and a young man from the city comes up and uh, he compares a politician, the old man compares a politician to a uh, post-turtle. And this young man from the city doesn't understand and asks him what a post-turtle is. And the old rancher says, well, when you're driving down a country road, you see a fence post with a turtle bounced on top. That's a post-turtle. You know, he didn't get up there by himself. He doesn't belong there. You wonder who put him up there. He can't get anything done while he's up there. And he just want to help the poor thing down. That's a post-turtle. I saw someone mention that Joe Biden was like, post-turtle. A but, forgetful post-turtle. But inside the DNC tent, General, you there are active, vocal, younger members. And this is the, the as we've gone through the history of Marxism, communism, Leninism, it always starts with the young. And, and it's the, you know, the Russian Revolution, three-fourths of uh, the revolutionaries were under the age of 30. Um uh, and inside the DNC tent is the future of the party. They are very active vocal members that are advocating the destruction of a capitalist society, the Youth Council Caucus. And they want the destruction of the very system that built America into the prosperous nation it is today. Uh, the most extreme form of them believes that uh, it requires the destruction of the colonization, uh, white supremacy, and capitalism. Now, um, do I think that that is the, the Democrat platform? No. Do I think that is all Democrats? Of course not. Uh, but unchecked, do I think that that is a, a large and growing faction of the Democratic Party? Yes. Let me share some something with you. The, uh, the rise of Democratic Socialists in office. Uh, the House of Representatives and the United States House of Representatives have had three Democrat socialists in office in history. We have three right now. AOC and Rashida have been, or two of the most well known since 2019. So we have three, which matches all of history in the House of Representatives. In state senates, state senates, there are three Democrat socialists voted into office. In state in all fifty states in the past, there's been one. And the state house of representatives, seven in history, Democrat socialists elected. In the last two years, sixteen have been elected. 
And at the uh, local officials, uh, you've had Democrat Socialists eight in municipal government, local government. In the last two years, over 50 have been elected in the local level. So there is, in the last two years, a, a uh, small but relative large infusion of socialist thinking inside the Democratic Party. And so this uh, vast expansion of health care and other entitlement spending, advocating for community ownership of everything, redistribution, uh, identity politics, uh, this is a big, big problem for our country. Especially because a lot of their ideas are now mainstream. Yeah, and you know, and that's kind of where I'm coming down on this. I believe that our kids need to be. We kind of need to grab these little buggers that are that we have them now and and start educating them. One of the things that I have a problem with is some of the indoctrination that's going to take place soon in our elementary schools because this these folks are beating um, others to the punch when it comes to getting information out and organizing. Uh, and so when you have in schools and, and my school district, our kids had to, our freshmen had to identify their pronoun, freshman high school, what their pronoun is. Um, I have a, I, I, I don't know how you feel about that general, but I, I'm wondering where that's coming from. I say you got two choices. Yes. <laughs> that's my position. Yeah. Uh, and, and then I've learned that our school district has sued this past summer, sued our, 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 our city because we needed uh, unisex bathrooms. So apparently in, in Upper Arlington schools, you can go, a boy can go to the bathroom right next in a stall right next to a girl. I just learned this. Where is this coming from? That would be the left. And then... Transgender studies is being a very important part of, of curriculum that's being pushed in some of our districts, in, including the Upper Arlington District. So I don't uh, I don't understand um, how this stuff is getting in on the curriculum. Uh, I don't understand why we need same sex bathrooms. Even the etymology is, is wrong. Gender I, is not I, sex. I don't understand why there are six choices for gender. Uh, and you know, maybe I'm going to be, maybe we're going to be on the wrong side of history on this. Maybe, maybe 25 years from now, I'm going to regret saying what I'm saying today, but I'm just saying how I feel it today. But I, I, I just think that a lot of listeners are probably recoiling at the notion that your that my, one of my 15 year old daughters could, is expected as a freshman in high school to go into a bathroom where there could be boys or will there, there will be boys. I think you'll regret not saying it stronger. So... Anyway, General, what was your take on the uh, the big DNC uh, Zoom conference? Well, you know, it was it, it was it seemed very much like a bunch of people sort of phoning it in. I mean, uh, Joe Biden spoke for twenty minutes. That's like the shortest acceptance speech in history. Now, I know that you know some of that is is applause and all, but even you know from from a normal uh, convention. But even when you take out the applause from a normal convention for the applause lines, it's still one of the shortest things ever. And it, it just really shows you the effort, I think, that's going into all of this uh, and how scripted it, it all ha is and has to be, especially with Mr. Biden, who is uh, clearly uh, not on the top of his game. Well, there's 
I think we can all kind of understand that that uh, this is he's the tip of the spear. He's not leading this party. I mean, you don't have a guy who's who's closer to the to the World War II generation than AOC's generation. I mean, there's clearly is there's going to be there's going to be factional fighting inside the Democratic Party if they win. And I think the as, as we watch what's happening in Portland, for instance, last night leftists storm a suburb with a guillotine. Okay, so there's your hearkening back to the French Revolution. Mr. Robespierre. Robespierre, the Jacobins, which we mentioned months ago. And, of course, where did they end up? Right in the guillotine. Right. Um, and, of course, we've, we know what's happening in Portland. Uh, we know that uh, last night a group of, uh, according to the news, 250 people participated in a march throughout this suburb to the uh, uh, the building of public safety offices, uh, rolling along a guillotine along the streets, burning American flags, putting a teddy bear, of all things, inside the guillotine. Uh, and, and last Sunday, it was that that poor guy, Adam Hainer, who was in his truck. He gets ripped from his truck and bloodied on the street by a gentleman by the name of Marquise Love, Mr. Love, who did that, uh, you know, kicked a 70-yard field goal. Well, it would have been a 75-yard field goal. He'd been kicking a football, but instead kicked Mr. Hainer's head. Uh, has been charged with felonious assault and is being held in jail. At least the last I, last time I looked, he was being held in jail on a quarter-million-dollar bond. Campy's nodding that that's still the case. So Mr. Love uh, is not living up to his name, is he? And you know what? What uh, where you can't protest though is around Lori Lightfoot's house, the mayor of Chicago. Yeah, let's they, move east. So Denver last night, we are hearing that uh, reports coming out of Denver that rioters dressed in black with weapons uh, were attacking numerous businesses, starting fires, and uh, and the and I saw a quote from uh, uh, the the police union. Uh, commenting that we have a sitting representative, an elected official from the city and county of Denver that was leading the charge to continue the chaos and destruction of the city. So I got, well, who's this person? And it is a city council member, socialist uh, Democrat, named Candy Cedebaca, C-D-E-B-A-C-A. And she has said that... uh, uh, she is in favor. She's put out uh, tweets in favor of a community. She's identified as a, as a communist. Um, she's elected in Denver, and she's been in office uh, just over a year. Again, this is the movement that I'm just talking about. They're getting in at the local level, and they move up to the states, and now heading into the national. And she has not identified herself she publicly won't identify herself as a communist, but she has considered herself to be an anarchist. So someone's electing these people into office. And they deserve what they get. All right. We are heading into a break. We're going to talk about uh, the Big Ten after the after the break, Steve Bannon's arrest. Uh, I think that ought to any other news that we can get into. Brad Coffey, Eric Willison, 610 WTVN.
News Radio 610 WTVN. For the defense, the only live legal show of its kind in Columbus, the Coffle Law Firm, one of Ohio's leading criminal defense firms. Your host of For the Defense, Columbus Attorney Brad Coffle. Welcome back. Uh, first half of the show, just talking about how big the Republican tent is, and it doesn't need to be re- defined strictly by Donald Trump. Uh, in fact, I have uh, I, I I believe that Trumpism is not good for the future of the Republican Party. That we need more stalwart conservatives that understand legacy, history, respect, and uh, the ability to read the room. The problem is for the Republicans that you can't vote for Biden Harris. I mean, it just this is this is not the same math from. Uh, 2016, 2012, the rise of socialism inside the Democratic Party has spread quickly. As I said in the begin, in the first uh, half of the show, how many uh, registered Democratic socialists are have been elected at the local level of municipal politics, state houses, and even up into Congress, with AOC uh, being one of the most prominent faces. If you look at the history of the Democratic Socialist Party. Uh, there we're, we're talking single digit across the country and now we have more in the last two years that have been elected into the political into, into uh, the Democratic uh, Party than um, than combined than in the history of America so young people you have to please listen that when you decide the government is better at taking care of you and your community than you can you have to ask yourself why is government telling me this why is, the, why is this party saying this? And also, you're going to forfeit your personal liberties at the same time. Every inch you give to the government, they're going to take a mile. And, and we, these aren't, we're not tinfoil, pointy hat, conspiracy theorist, far right talking here. I'm a moderate, Republican, libertarian, conservative, and you have to get up before noon. You've got to get a job eventually that pays the bills so you can rent an apartment and get out of your parents' house and then eventually find a job that you like, save some money, find a skill, find a trade, find something that you enjoy to do, you enjoy doing, and then you'll find out that the real secret to life is serving others, that service over self brings true joy and happiness. Being angry and violent and bigoted towards older America that made it through pluck, grit, and perseverance, you're, you're just going to continue to be angry and violent for a while. We can't let the tantrums go on too long. But you young people, 15, 16, high school kids, 17, 18, 19, you kids that, that, are, that are, have never voted in a presidential election, and now you can in 2020, are you voting for a government that thinks it needs to take care of you, your salary, your benefits, your, your community, or do you want to do it yourself? Do you have the competence and expertise, the passion, the fire, the grit to do it? Every other generation did. Yeah, so when you vote in 2020, don't, in the Republican Party... Don't look at Donald Trump. Don't let the Democrats trick you into thinking that this is a vote for the attitude and boorish behavior of that one individual. It's not. It's not. 
okay? It's a, it's a vote against government growth and identity politics and hate and violence. Our tent is very big. The GOP tent is very big, and there's a lot of compassion. There's a lot of love. We're not being defined by Donald Trump. But right now, history put that guy in the White House, and I don't know who else has the Teflon ability to stand there and weather this kind of storm that's coming his way. Uh, But, you know, look for other ways to help our community, not destroy it. Listen to the older generation who have uh, punched a clock, gone to work when they don't want to, gone to work when we're hurt, gone to work when we're sad, gone to work when we have a broken bone. Don't phone it in. Because if you start doing that, government's just going to take over. Take care of yourself, take care of your family, take care of your community, and you will find that life is pretty damn good. And we want to help. We want to help minorities. We want to help black Americans. We want to help the inner city. But the Democrats have not been taking care of their own cities. Now their cities are burning. We want to help other minorities. We're the LGBTQ plus, okay? A lot of memes, a lot of, you know, we're learning. We're learning. But hey, if you were born and you identify as a female and you're in a male's body, uh, it's your business. It's your business. Yeah. Not mine. Okay. It's not my kids' but I don't, business. But I don't need my kids to, I don't need you to write a book on it and force my kids to read it. Uh, immigrants, I want someone, these, there are immigrants that, that we, we, our country is built on immigration, but it has to be lawful. Legal. Yeah, it has to be lawful. That's all we want. We're not xenophobes. The better these other people do, the better we all do. All boats will, will rise. And, uh, you know, if you don't like what's happening in America, you have the ability, you have the competence to change things, but it, it's not being, it's not using violence and hatred. Uh, and understand also that with your paycheck comes taxes. Right. So, okay, so it's going to pay for all this stuff. This Green New Deal, I love the idea. I mean, I drive a Tesla. I love the idea of electric vehicles. I love the idea of, of uh, anything that's going to improve life on Earth, life in our country. But, man, you got to plan for this, something like that. I'd love to have a, a nine, Porsche 911 Turbo. I'm not going to go out and just buy one got to afford these things. I would say, too, there, that about 10 years ago, there were a lot of young people that were thinking the same way down in Venezuela. And now their their older selves, 10 years later, are eating out of the back of garbage trucks on film. Um, real quick, Big Ten commissioner needs fired. Goodbye. We're going to break, and, and we're going to come back and break that down. I think there's a lawsuit that's going to be filed this week in Nebraska federal court. And we're going to find out. We're going to talk a little bit about that. A quick uh, take on Steve Bannon. After the break, Brad Koffel, 610 WTVA. Thanks to my mom for listening and correcting my grammar. Apparently, I'm not using uh, prepositions correctly. Thanks for listening, Mom. <laughs> Improper usage. Yes. I'm not much of a dangling participle fan. I, I do spot those, but apparently I'm uh, not using my prepositions. We correctly. all have our weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Kevin went, Kevin Warren has a weakness, and it's uh, I'm not exactly sure. You know, he's a Big Ten commissioner. Don't know much about the fellow. What I do know is that uh, 
there is the threat of a lawsuit being filed in Nebraska federal court by Nebraska football players and families. And and uh, so I, st- I took a look at that, and it, it kind of makes sense to me that players seem to be safer inside a controlled football environment than out and about. Uh, the fact his son's playing for Mississippi State in the SEC, and he's taking you know that out of the hands of Big Ten parents and adult players, I think that that's a red herring. I don't think that's a fair criticism on, on him. I don't think he... Uh, his son's certainly an adult. His son's in another conference, and he has to put his person. For all we know, his personal opinion is to play, but his professional opinion as director of the Big Ten, you know, the Big Ten commissioner, is opposite his personal opinion. I mean, I advocate for clients all the time. I don't necessarily agree with what they did, but we have a professional obligation. So I think his son playing for Mississippi State uh, needs to be struck uh, from the argument. Uh, I do believe that Big Ten players that are being sidelined while future draft picks of the SEC, ACC, the Big 12 playing is a legitimate legal argument. Those opportunities they may never get again. Okay, so they get an extra year of eligibility, uh, but kids have dedicated their entire lives to get to this point. And what I don't understand totally and, and I, is that there wasn't a, a football schedule, adjusted football schedule for the Big Ten, and then you know less than a week later it, it's – there's a decision to cancel the season. The question now is, the decision by whom? There's been no transparency on this. We've had months of COVID data and decision changes in a matter of days. Uh, college presidents are public employees who made the decision, who, uh, have, according to the commissioner, voted overwhelmingly. When I see voted overwhelmingly, that means it was not unanimous. That means there was someone voting against this. Statements are coming out suggesting that this was not an overwhelming vote, that it may not even been a vote. But uh, all the Big Ten university presidents, except for one, Northwestern, are public employees. That make six, seven hundred, eight hundred thousand dollars, a million dollars, one point four at Ohio State. Who cares how much they make? They're public employees. There needs to be some sunshine on this decision. My issue on this is the lack of transparency. So the conference's decision has enormous ramifications for student-athletes, and those same athletes deserve transparency in the process. Uh, so, you know, this lawsuit, I, do I think that the Big Ten is going to hand over all their audio and video recordings and transcripts of their meetings? I would like to know what bylaws or rules and regulations uh, were at play that allowed such decision-making to occur I'm really kind of curious also on, on what type of studies or scientific data they're looking at or medical information that was considered presented to this council in the process of making that decision based on health concerns. And, uh, you know, uh, this is a this this decision of such a magnitude uh, where we have no actual individual accounting or accountability of these chancellors and presidents. Again, 13 out of 14 are public employees. Uh, that are hiding behind the commissioner. They've gone almost two two weeks now in the witness protection program. Uh, I'm, you know, that's my take on that. I I, I have a problem with transparency. Um, Steve Bannon, general, you want to go there? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> in the internet, there's something called a crowdfunding where hundreds or even thousands or even hundreds of thousands of people can give small amounts to someone who has a stated goal. GoFundMe. Uh, yeah, there was an Air Force veteran named Brian Colfosh who started a GoFundMe project called We Fund the Wall, December 17, 2018. In one week, they raised $17 million. 
the idea was to raise a billion and give it to Congress. Uh, but then what they realized was, oh, goodness, if we give a billion to Congress, the chances that they're going to spend it on the wall are less than zero. So they changed over instead, and uh, Colfage knew he was sort of out of his league at that point. So he brought in Steve Bannon and a few other venture capitalists, and they started uh, a nonprofit uh, 501c4 corporation And because GoFundMe said, hey, you can't just have all this money, Mr. Colfage. you got to give it to a, a proper entity. And so he gave it over to these other, uh, this, this, this other uh, 501c4, uh, and they said, look, you can, you're going to opt out if you want to, and we'll give you back your money. Or if you opt in, then we'll keep the money and keep going, but none of us will take any money. And to some extent, that was true, but what happened was they started hiring other non profit corporations well, to do work. Well, there was so much money to be spent. Yes, and then and they, they needed help these other people. It. And then the other people would pay these people. It's the same thing with Larry Householder here in Ohio. Yep. You've got a, a lot of money, needs to find a home. You run it through a 501c4, dark money, and then there's so much money that needs to be spent, and eventually the government doesn't like that. So, Which shows how it all works. Hey, we'll it's see true. what happens in America this week. We'll talk about it next Sunday. Thanks for listening. Brad Koff, Eric Wilson, 610 WTVN.